we're going to have an opportunity to uh, reflect on that gospel lesson that was just read. Um, there's times when scriptures are read, or when I spend time in God's word, where I struggle a little bit with some of the actions that Jesus does. And this is definitely one of those texts when you start having a woman who approaches Jesus asking for help, he seems to respond in a, a way that if he did that in 2023 and it was caught on camera, it would be all over social media and Jesus would be, there would be a cry to cancel Jesus, right? Saying, it's not right to give the children's blessings to dogs. Is that what Jesus is getting at? And so uh, there is power in this text and we're jumping into the middle of the story here. There's power in what Jesus is doing. Uh, and, and we're going to have a, an opportunity to respond to what Jesus is doing as an individual who needs Jesus. And what we're going to do over the course of the next little bit is we're going to unpack this faith of the Canaanite woman's story and, and explain what Jesus is doing. But I don't want you to just pay attention to the words that Jesus says. I also want you to pay attention to the nonverbal communication that's going to be happening throughout the scriptures that we're going to be going to. All right, we're not going to just look at Matthew chapter 15. We're going to look at other ones. So if you have your, your chair Bible, I was going to call them pew Bibles, but if you have your chair Bible or other means of going into the scriptures, we're going to look at the book of Matthew. Let's first go to Matthew chapter 8. All right, so in the church Bibles, that if you grab one of those, Matthew chapter 8 is on page uh, 813, way down at the bottom of the left column. That's where we're going to be looking. Matthew 8, verse uh, 19, 18 there. 18. And I want you to pay attention again, not to just what Jesus says, but to the flow and to the nonverbal communication that happens here as we get to understand what Jesus is getting at uh, by the time we get to the end of this message. So Matthew 8, verse 18. Jesus saw a crowd Around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. There was a scribe that came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Pause there for a moment. You kind of would like to know what the gentleman did, right? But we're not given the gentleman's response, the scribe's response. What is Jesus telling us then when we don't get a response in Scripture? He's saying, what would you do when your Lord looks at you and says, do you really want to follow me? I have no place to lay my head. Do you really want to follow? Or are you looking for a comfortable life? Do you really want to follow me? It's going to cost. Do you really want to follow and so we're invited to respond. Jesus continues uh, in the scripture here in verse 21. It says, another of the disciples say to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus turns and says to him, follow me. Leave the dead to bury their dead. And you kind of like to know what the guy did. But we're not told. What's Jesus getting at here? Follow me. Make me your priority. Let the worldly things handle the worldly things. You follow me. Do you want to be my disciple? That's what Jesus is saying there. He's inviting a response. 
Let's now look at some of the ways that Jesus heals as I set this up for the faith of the Canaanite woman story. All right, so we're going to look now at Matthew chapter 9. It's just on the next page. We're going to look over at verse 27. Uh, it's a section right at the top. It says, Jesus heals two blind men. Verse 927, it says, Jesus pressed on from there. Two blind men followed him, crying out aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. That phrase is going to come back over and over. Have mercy on us, son of David. What does Jesus do? Does he turn to him and talk to him? No, he keeps going. In the next verse, it says, when he entered the house. So he just kept walking. These guys are crying out to him. They can't see where he's going. They're saying, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. And Jesus keeps walking. He enters the house. They follow him. And then Jesus says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He's inviting them to have a response. And then we actually get the response. Yeah, Lord. And then Jesus touched their eyes and saying, according to your faith, be it done for you. Their eyes are open. Jesus then tells them not to go out and tell anyone because it's not yet his time to be revealed in this way. And they couldn't help it. They had to go say what happened. Right? Let's jump ahead into the scriptures. Now we're going to look at Matthew chapter 20. It's another story of Jesus healing the blind or blind men. So Matthew chapter 20, we're going to look at verse 29 and following. This is on page 825 and then 826. They, Jesus and the disciples, went out of Jericho. A great crowd followed him. Behold, there were two blind men sitting on the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cry out, Lord, have mercy on us. What do they say? Son of David. There's that phrase again. And then do we get an immediate response from Jesus? No, we don't. Jesus seems to be silent there again. The crowd, though, on the other hand, they, they have a response. They look over at these blind men who are crying out, and they tell them, rebuking them, telling them to be silent. And when they do that, the, the, the two blind men, they cry out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Then Jesus stops, calls to them and says, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, let our eyes be opened. And then in pity, he touches their eyes and immediately they received their sight. And then look what happens in the course of Matthew, the very next chapter. You get Jesus going unto Jerusalem for the very last time as he goes onto the cross. Right, fulfilling his, his mission. All right, so I tried to set this up that Jesus doesn't always instantly respond as soon as we cry out for help, right? Multiple times throughout the scriptures, there's, there's a cry for help. There's this plea for God to have mercy. And then Jesus doesn't instantly go, you're healed. He invites them into this trust time. He's checking the genuineness of their heart because Jesus did not come to earth on this side of paradise to just make sure we were healed and had a good, comfortable life. Pain-free existence where we didn't have a single trouble in the world. Why? Because this world is fallen. This world is in an enemy state with God. This world rebels against God and is absolutely cut off from him. The creator and creation, there's a divide, and somebody needs to do something about it. 
Well, we get that a little bit more in this Matthew 15 passage. So would you go back there with me? We're going to dive in now to the faith of the Canaanite woman. This is Matthew 15, verse 21. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. So something happened that made Jesus leave the region of Galilee. What was it, that thing that happened? If you read a little earlier in the scriptures, Jesus is rejected one more time. He's rejected by people who should have known who he was. He's rejected by scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the Jewish religion, the Hebrew faith, that should have known that the Messiah was standing right in front of them. He's rejected. But the time had not yet come for him to be handed over, crucified, so he withdraws. He, he withdraws. And he finds himself in the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region comes out crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. What does she say? Son of David. This Canaanite woman is calling Jesus the son of David. That's a term that's reserved for the Messiah. Somehow, someway, this foreigner, this outsider knows that this is somebody special standing there that she's seeking help from. She knows somehow, someway that this is the Messiah. Whoa. That's huge. Do you understand why that's huge? This is a Canaanite woman. Any good self-respecting Hebrew child will know that the Canaanites shouldn't even be existing. Why? Because they were enemies of God. They were wicked. And back in Moses' day and age and time and place, when they were getting ready at the time of the Exodus to go into the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey, the Canaanites were one of the tribes of people that were supposed to be extremely wiped out because of their wickedness, God's judgment against them. They're wicked, they're evil, they're idolatrous ways, they're far from God. God was just done with them. And he was going to use the Hebrew people to wage his judgment. So to have a Canaanite woman approaching the Messiah saying, Lord, help. Jesus checks the genuineness of her faith. Jesus is inviting a response from her, but not only from her, but from everybody that's around him. This is a teaching moment that Jesus is using. You see, there's an enemy of God approaching him. In quotes. There's an enemy of God approaching him. And Jesus uses as an opportunity to to teach. Interestingly enough, as we look at the very next verse after she says this, he doesn't answer her a word. Okay, so we know that he's being intentionally silent here. The disciples come and beg him saying, send her away. She's crying out after us. You can almost hear the frustration. You can almost hear that the disciples are at wit's end. Now, I don't know if the disciples are saying, Lord, heal her and just be done with her. Or she's not worthy of this, Lord. Get her out of here. We don't know that. But Jesus knows their hearts. And Jesus directs his attention to them. And he says in verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So were the disciples asking for healing for this woman? He's saying, listen, I'm not here just for healing. What? Jesus is not a carnival worker. Jesus is not just some miracle worker that came to just show a neat trick so that some people can walk away feeling good for a little while. No. He's more interested in his mission, which is to come and seek and save the lost. And interestingly enough, as he lays out his mission, 
Who approaches him? The woman, the Canaanite, in this nonverbal communication. What does she do? Verse 25, but she comes, this enemy of God, she comes and kneels before him. We have an enemy of God kneeling before the Messiah. We have an enemy of God kneeling before the one who created all things. Enemies of God should not be able to be in God's presence. They should be wiped out. And yet Jesus invites her in. He has a conversation with her in this kind of a teaching moment as he starts to check the genuineness of her faith, teaching all those around her. He says, it's not right for me to give the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she immediately responds, but yes, Lord, even the crumbs, the dogs will be satisfied, basically is what she's saying. She's saying, even the smallest amount of blessing that you give, Messiah, is enough to satisfy. And she says, Lord, help me. She says, Lord, help me. An enemy of God, kneeling before the Lord, says, Lord, help me, displaying this amazing amount of faith. And Jesus says, do you see what's happening here? Oh, woman, great is your faith. You are someone who is an enemy. Before it is you done, as you have asked, be it done as you will. And her daughter was instantly healed. He had been rejected by those that should have known who he was. And here's this technical enemy of God coming here and saying, help me. And he has mercy and he has compassion and he uses it as a teaching moment for all of us. Is there times when you cry out to God, asking for mercy, asking for deliverance, asking for whatever, and you hope you're going to get an instant response? Well, God doesn't work that way. He doesn't. He's not just simply interested in us having a good, plush life here. Why? Because if all we have is a good, plush life here, we would not desire a relationship with Jesus. We would not desire to be in his presence. We would not recognize that we need a Savior, and we'd be lost. Do you trust that Jesus is your Messiah? You're invited to respond. Do you notice how... All the songs today pointed to the name of Jesus. And then the very last one, I trust in you, Lord. I trust in you, Lord. I trust in you, Lord. We're being reminded of that over and over again to just trust in Jesus. Do you trust in the work of the cross to save you from your sins? Do you recognize that you too are an enemy of God because of your sin and you're invited to come and kneel before him? You're invited to trust in him, to kneel before him. And then be invited to stand, forgiven and free, and go about your life the way that he would have you do it. Not just a life that's going to be good on this side of paradise, but an eternal life that God has ready for you. Because the Messiah came to seek and to save the lost, and each one of us are one of them. There's scriptures all over that talk about that, and it seems to be plain as day. Let me share one, just random one out of the scriptures. Isaiah 49. It says, is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel? I'm going to make you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. The Canaanite woman knew that Jesus didn't come just for the people of Israel. He came to be the light to the world, a light to the nations that reached the ends of the earth. You and I know that Jesus didn't come just for the people of Israel. He came for the lost. He came for you and me. He came for a world out there that's rejecting him. 
And we get to be a reflection of the light of the love that Jesus has, right? We get to show how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. Why? Because we recognize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We recognize that we need to gather in places like this on a regular basis to spend time in God's word. When we struggle, when we wonder, where are you, Lord? We can go back and say, you know what? God isn't acting any different than what he's been throughout the entire scriptures. He's invited me to walk with him. He's inviting me to trust in him. Am I getting the answer that I want right away? No. But I can look to the cross and I look at God's word and I know he's not going to leave me. I know he's not going to forget me. I know he's not going to forsake me. I know I'm forgiven. Lord, help me live in light of that forgiveness. Church, do you want to live in the light of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? Amen. Do you believe in his promises? Amen. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.